Hello and welcome to Additive Insight, your source of news, interviews and comments on the latest 3D printing and additive manufacturing intelligence, brought to you by TCT Magazine. I'm your host Sam Davis and today we're recording from the Additive Manufacturing Users Group Conference, where we're just a couple of days in, but that's given me the chance to grab a few attendees to have a quick chat about what they're doing here and the conversations being had in the conference sessions and the various networking windows that AMOG affords. Joining me are Kristen Mulheron, an AM industry consultant and of course the president of Women in 3D Printing, Matt Schomper, director of engineering at Implant Manufacturer Tangible Solutions, and Pat Warner, a digital manufacturing manager in the world of F1 Motorsport. They'll be arriving any time now, joining me in a small room that looks out onto the AMOG Expo floor, which should be a good setting to discuss what's going on out there as the Expo resumes. Uh, for its final few hours on this Monday evening. So we'll be back in a second after this. Two hundred exhibitors, four stages, one hundred speakers, and one thousand years of combined experience. TCT360 is firmly established as the UK's definitive 3D printing and additive manufacturing event, and registration is now open. Between the 7th and 8th of June this year, TCT360 will bring together market-leading technology suppliers and services, as well as the largest free additive manufacturing conference on the planet. TCT360 is a free, must-attend event for anyone looking to evaluate, adopt or optimise 3D printing technology within their business. Join us on the 7th and 8th of June at the NEC in Birmingham. To register, go to www.tct360.com. So, welcome everyone to the Additive Insight podcast. Uh, Pat, I'm going to start with you since um, you've been coming to AMOG the longest. Um, I spent a month. The oldest. So what is it when the AMO registration opens, I guess, at the back end of, of every year that entices you to, to come again and again? Um, I think there's a kind of a, a camaraderie in, in this industry, in this particular event, that you don't get anywhere else. Uh, and it's a, it's a little bit special from that, that kind of perspective. Um, the barriers seem to drop as you interact with people, um, albeit in the conference itself or particularly around the expo, which is a little bit different in its in its format than most trade shows you'll go to with um, with food and drink on <coughs> on hand. Um, and then those conversations continue after the whole event's shut down because there are a number of bars within the hotel where mm-hmm. the collaborations continue. Mm-hmm. And, and I think it's a very, very good mix of business and social that, that tends to draw people together and, and applications together and it's always worked well for me. Mm-hmm. Matt, when I bumped into you earlier you said that this is your favourite event, so what, what, what makes it your favourite event exactly? I'd probably echo the the people, I know that seems cliche, but I don't, I don't particularly come to this event for like a lot of heavy technical stuff. Um, I actually think a lot of the presentations are unfortunately a little too, too pitchy for my taste, uh, but there are just so many people that 
I engage with. And like last year, I think I stayed up till like two in the morning talking with a guy who's like a competitor. And like in the trenches, in the day to day, it had been like cutthroat. Like, I can't stand this guy. But then I just like sat down and had a drink with him. And I was like, man, you're like a, you're an awesome dude. <laughs> and what I think is particularly neat is uh, like, I've always been about like people, 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 because mm -hmm. you just see so many people, the same type of people again and again. And I'm in the orthopedic industry, which is small. The additive industry is, is growing, but small. And so you just meet so many of the same people in different roles. And I just these sorts of events solidify those relationships. And like, I've never met you in person, but I already feel like, hey, we're, we're buddies, <laughs> right? So um, that's just, I think, what makes it so cool for me. And Christian, I imagine you've been here in several different capacities. Mm -hmm. um, and I know obviously you've got AMQ consultancy plus <clears throat> Mona 3D printing, so you've got both of those hats on. So what does an event like this offer to you? Oh gosh, I mean, I have to, you know, echo a lot of the same sentiments. I mean, you know, what, I can just, with an example, you know, I just came from meeting with someone where, you know, a lot of what I do is connect people, right, and connect people from across different parts of the industry that wouldn't connect otherwise. And so I was talking to a company that what they do is they work on the analytical side of powder bit fusion technologies. And I wanted them to learn from the knowledge of this one company that does binder jetting. And we were talking about the different kinds of um, you know issues with powder feedstock, and then we end up end getting into the conversation about sintering, and then different issues with sintering, and then we started talking about MIM, and different things with MIM, and it was just it was such an interesting conversation, just truly interesting, um, where we got talking about something that had nothing to do with either one of their businesses, but we were all three entities were super interested in it. So, I mean, to me, that is, there's nothing like that. That doesn't happen anywhere else, I think. Mm. As an open question, do you, the three of you, come to this event with particular learnings that you're looking to gain? Are the, are the learnings even, oh, this is a, this is a rubbish pun. This was pre-prepared for you. Are they even tangible? <clears throat> I'm so sorry. I know. You'll have to ask first because of that. Yeah, yeah. I'm particularly fond of puns because I'm a, father of four, so like oh. the dad jokes just flow yeah, okay. through my veins. I don't have that excuse. <laughs> um, I, I think that year over year, these sorts of events become even more particularly interesting because of how fast the industry is accelerating. So like new softwares that are out there, new machine technologies. So I think it would be foolish for somebody to be like, I know everything about everything, and so I don't really have any need for wandering around. I think it's honestly this year I've had more fun wandering around because it's the relationships and the people you see but then also they're like hey, have you seen this or that that I have new so like and I'm fascinated with with software and just all the stuff that's out there mm -hmm. like you can't possibly stand on top of it so I do think that there's a lot of value in, in seeing what's what's new. I definitely come in here um, with an idea of what I want to learn and I definitely come in here with you know I have clients where I want to you know learn on behalf of them um, and, um, you know, generally who we're exhibiting here. Um, and, uh, but I look at it, it's just really, it's kind of, it's just the, it's the entryway drug, right? You come in and you want, you know, it, you, it gets the conversation started. But then again, it, it leads to what I said before, is it starts to lead to other things. And then you talk to that person and then they, they introduce you to somebody else and then you have a conversation about something different. So I think, I think it's helpful. I've come in here before where I didn't have any intention and I just wanted to learn in general, and I didn't find it quite as productive as when I do come with some intention, just to kind of get the ball rolling, mm -hmm. right? <clears throat> How much of 
you come with a mindset to teach as well as learn? Me personally, yeah, I think. Yeah, I think. Um, I usually try and do something. I haven't this year. I must admit, I'm a little bit slack. Um, as I said, that, I've been particularly busy. Um, but I usually try and do something, um, whether it just be a, a panel on, on keeping your machines running or, or how we use additive in Formula One as best I can. But that tends to be out of date stuff from a mm. few years back because I'm not allowed to share anything current. <laughs> <laughs> but how much? Because I don't imagine there's probably a few motorsport people in in the conference, at the conference, but is it is it a case that people can be working in other industries and you'll still have something useful to share with them? Oh, for sure. Oh, um, yeah, no, absolutely. It, 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 it doesn't really matter what the the end vehicle is, as long as it's it's a high-performance vehicle, in, mm -hmm. in my case. Yeah. Uh, but even then, certain things that we do um, differently, shall I say, to, to, to aerospace. Aerospace have a 50-year life cycle, they'd like, certainly a 25-year life cycle. I have two hours. <laughs> yeah. I don't care what happens to after two hours. But I think there's a lot of lessons learned, and that's what's unique about events like this, is that it brings people together that are from these, you know, orthopedics, yeah. you know, race cars, um, aerospace, it brings these people together. And one of my big pet peeves right now, currently in the industry, is I feel like the out of manufacturing industry is very insistent in a lot of ways of reinventing the wheel. And there's so much knowledge out there from you know traditional technologies, traditional manufacturing technologies that we could be utilizing, but for some reason we're insisting on no, 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 we gotta start from scratch. It makes no sense. And I think the same thing applies when you're looking at industries. You know, I'm sure there's a ton of stuff that you know, your knowledge that you have that can apply to you know some other industry, aerospace or what have you that you wouldn't have the opportunity to share that information otherwise. It absolutely does. And a good example of that is Formula One is currently diversifying because we're all under a cost cap. So we're not supposed to spend more than a certain amount of money on developing our cars. And so we're all trying to get money in other ways. So we're all commercializing. Um, we're a bit unusual in the way we do it. We don't charge a lot of money. But it has to be economically, uh, sorry, environmentally or socially beneficial. So sorry, Matt. I've actually done an orthopedic project recently, <laughs> um, nice. and it seems the body is just a high performance vehicle. It I mean, seems to be going. It <laughs> seems to be going really well. You don't tend to pull six G very often, but <laughs> um, but yeah, just just understanding how we design and make things relative has, has allowed me to design something that's everyone said that will never work, and it did. So keep an eye out. It should it will come in public soon. I think uh, just to echo the whole teaching thing, um, so I recently uh, joined the board at 3D Printing Mentality, which is uh, about educating, um, starting anything from high school, college, uh, early career. I've always been really passionate about that, so I love coming to these events for, for the mutual learning, mm -hmm. and I find that the best way you learn is also by being open, not to just be like a megaphone only, but also like a funnel to receive stuff, but just for me in particular, like what I'm passionate and obsessive about, like, like that, or, orthopedic implants, but not, not even just that, but design, biomimicry, like I love that stuff, nature as an application. And so I'll just talk anybody's ear off that's, that's willing to listen, but it's reciprocal, where you're like, you know, I'm, I'm fascinated to learn more about what you do, just, and I just met you today, so 
And I think that that's just this, everyone here seems like that's just this quest for knowledge. Like, people don't come here and spend the money to come here. Ne necessary to just be like, I'm just gonna go four days in a row drinking. Like, there, <laughs> it really does seem like it's a, it's a different type of community than I think at some other shows. Because I've been yeah. to orthopedic mm -hmm. shows and other additive manufacturing shows, but this is, it's, it's definitely a little bit different. I'm not sure people would get the sign-off on the, on the purchase of the ticket, but it was just four days of food. <laughs> <laughs> so you have to justify it. It would they, be a challenge to see if they could get their money's worth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so we're recording this podcast just before the expo opens. I think there's a few people milling out there. Um, what are the, some of the conversations that you've been having, um, whether at this event or just at events in, in, in the recent um, months, with the supplies of the technology? They all want to sell me a machine. <laughs> <laughs> They've all got the latest and greatest material, the latest and greatest application. But I mean, things are moving along. Like it, it's you know, um, elastomers are getting better, rubbers are getting better, um, silicon not so much, but it's, it's kind of coming. It's on the horizon. People are seeing a need for it. Um, the metallics are, are still maturing at a hell of a rate. And it's still interesting to see what the next best thing is coming out of that world. Um, unfortunately, we don't quite see the next best thing any city current, but mm. it, it, it's, it, it's still moving on at quite a pace. And I think you tend, to, you tend to pick up a little bit more than you do at a standard trade show about all those really good applications that aren't quite there yet. And the, the materials that aren't quite there yet, and the, the next machine improvement that isn't quite there yet. Mm -hmm. uh, you hear a lot more whispers about those than I think you do at a conventional show, which I think is, is beneficial. Do you think that's because at a conventional trade show they've kind of got their sales harm as opposed to... I think it's because they haven't got beer. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, everyone's got their sales head on, no matter where you are, right? right. To some degree, yeah. right? I think, yeah. I, 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 I think the beer is, <laughs> I, I, it is a big factor. I just well, think the barriers just, come down. It's not it's, even just the beer, it's getting outside of that normal environment. You know, it's yeah, sitting upstairs yeah. in the coffee shop yeah. and having a conversation. It's not, It take, you can have just a real conversation, whereas when you go to a booth at a traditional show, you're not having a real conversation. You're standing, one person's on one side of the table and you're on the other side of the table. Whereas, you know, the real conversations happen at, at, you know, at lunch. You know, I, I know a lot of people are terrified about the lunches here. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it was the first year I came, I remember thinking, this is fantastic, because I, I, was, I was on the metal side of things at the time, and I was, as most metals people are, massive snob about uh, plastics that are just not worth my time, you know. And I ended up sitting at this table with this person that you know, did exclusively polymer 3D printing. And I learned so much because I drew the same number out of the, you know, the bowl and had to sit next to this guy. And it was one of the better learning experiences, I think, of my first year was some of the conversations I had at the lunch, mm -hmm. for sure. So what, from a, I guess from a user um, slash consultancy side, what are the, um, the, the, I guess the demands technologically that you have with users generally, what are the hurdles that you guys are, are coming across or your clients coming across in terms of applying the technology? I think, I mean, I think without a doubt right now, the number one thing I think that is the most important um, and, you know, should be talked about the most is having that complete workflow mm -hmm. and having the automation to go along with it. I think we're insane to think that we're going to create this industry of, you know, additive manufacturing that's going to be entirely manual. 
it's, we're never going to get there. We are going to remain a prototyping technology. You know, we have to have this, and again, that's what's facilitated so greatly at AMUG, because to be able to do that, and the reason I think we haven't been able to get there is because we will work in silos, or as I said before, try to reinvent the wheel. Whereas here, we're forced together and we realize that, you know, to create these partnerships and these opportunities, to create this actual workflow from start to finish, that really potentially could be, you know, I think we can finally see the horizon of where it could truly be lights out automation. Mm -hmm. um, and so for me, that's, that's my focus and that's the conversations I'm having the most are, are all about making that, that workflow and, and the lack of manual requirements. Yeah. In terms of the, I guess the collaboration that happens here, because when, as a journalist, when I write about company A partners with company B, that's a very strategic thing that the higher-ups of those two companies have got together, and so now these these employees will work together on, on whatever project it is. But here, you'll just bump into people. What's the? How important is that kind of just organic collaboration? Yeah, I, I think that more more change than sometimes the higher-ups want to admit to happens at the at the ground floor level. And I've often said this with software in particular that companies that give EDU, free EDU licenses to kids in college mm -hmm. essentially make evangelists out of them when they go into industry and they're going to advocate for this because that's what they use in college. It, it's actually, I, I believe statistically, there's, some, there's a study that shows that it's, it's, it's really super high. So similarly, the conversation that happened on that level, you'd be foolish to think that it doesn't percolate up. And so even though it's not a, oh, I get to sign this big agreement and we get to do a photo shoot of us shaking hands, I absolutely think at every single level that, that those conversations lead to business one. Because I actually just was talking to several people about like, hey, did you, we're getting leads generated last year and I, multiple people, like it's not salesy, but like multiple mm -hmm. people said, no, I, I landed so-and-so customer, it's, it's our biggest customer that we have thus far. So I, I do think that. I... In terms of, um the conversations you're having with fellow attendees. Um, has, has anybody had any fruitful conversations yet at this event, or can can you um, tell us about a, a conversation that you've had at a previous event that has either led to you, as you say, kind of landing some business, or, or solving an issue that you've been you've been you know banging your head against the wall um, on for, for the previous weeks or months. I mean, I think I think for me, it's it's very clear because I work with so many different entities and across the whole the AM ecosystem. So for me, it's quite obvious to be able to can make those connections when everyone's here in one place. So I think you know, again, it's those the thing that's really fun is those unexpected outcomes that come from those conversations. Is I think that you know I know this person here, I know this person here, and I know they find something equally interesting, um, but it ends up being you know one plus one equals oranges. You know, and I love that part of it. Like, it's really fun to see those, you know, those those weird offshoots that come from it. And to be honest, I think that's where true innovation comes from, right? I mean, we are an industry that is so reliant on being, you know, innovating fast. Mm -hmm. um, and this event, I think, facilitates that speed um, by getting all these people together who, you know, as you said earlier, you know, Matt, is, you know, we just, um, we talk um, differently here. And... So you have the, the better conversations facilitated by the booze. In terms of, I think, there's a, in terms of collaboration as a, as a concept, I think as much as I am constantly writing about company A partner with company B, I think there's a, 
an idea that there isn't enough collaboration and there's companies working in silos and there's not an attitude that um, all, all boats rise to the tide. <clears throat> I guess an, an event like this kind of forces that because the whole point of it is that you share and it's, it's users coming to listen to users. Um, so in, a, in an industry that needs to be working together, um, it's still a young industry, it's a technology that still needs to mature. How significant is that, 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 that collaboration is being encouraged um, across, what is this, like a five or six day event from morning till whatever time you get I'm not to convinced it even needs to be collaborations, just relationships work quite well. And, you know, you meet, you meet people here that become lifelong friends mm -hmm. and you start using each other as sounding boards. Okay. Because you, you figure they've probably got that kind of experience and they figure I have and, and, and I'm happy enough to talk and share if it's not sensitive. Yeah. Um, so I have to be a little bit cautious of what I can say. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it, it, it's. I think those sort of relationships work really well and I think they do, they'll, they'll, they'll sort of bring the business along without the need for official collaborations and I think that's what this event does better than any other. Mm -hmm. And in, in terms of the the conversations you have at events like this, um, and I get even any event really, but what's your feel for where the AM industry is, like in terms of there's this narrative of it's going from prototype into production, where is it along that journey? At the moment, and, and what I guess what needs to happen for it to get there. I'm probably the wrong person to ask because I'll always be prototyping. We never make one six of anything. Yeah, I, sure. I think it's. I mean, this is a cop out, but I think it's industry and application specific. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I speak firmly entrenched in med device space, uh, but there are. I mean, tangible in particular has produced hundreds of thousands of devices that are in people's bodies right now. You know, and there are dozens and dozens of, of orthopedic customers that have very much taken the industry into serial production. Uh, certainly, like, you know, with a lot of clearances, I talk with the FDA at least once a month, if not more, on behalf of our customers. It's just very, it's more commoditized than it used to be. But I do think that other industries are still, like, floundering a little bit with this, like, how do we scale up to production? I think that's because there's so much, there, there's less service providers at for orthopedic implants because of the regulations, but for everything else, a lot of plastic or hobby or consumer, it doesn't feel like it's progressed as much like you said because they're just, it's all onesie, twosie stuff. Nobody's automating, nobody's figured out how to like produce at a large scale to, to be cost effective and compete with other technology. So maybe that, but but again, I'm, I'm very limited in my knowledge outside of med device. In terms of prototyping part, because <laughs> obviously me just saying that, we've we probably don't look at prototyping enough, even though it's almost certainly still the, the most frequent application of technology, even today. Um, so you, you said you'll always be prototyping. So I guess talk to me about how that can evolve, or how, how, or how it has evolved in the 35 years you've been working in that space. Well, we're putting parts directly on cars, but I've been for 20 some years, but there's a lot more of them now and a lot broader range of materials. So, mm -hmm. so that's that's the biggest gain from my perspective. And things last. Now we don't 
see them flying off on the telly, which never goes down too well. Um, it's very public when it goes wrong in my business. <laughs> um, I mean, we're making, well, I do about 450 pounds a week, sometimes up to 600 to go in the winter on alone. That consumes quite a vast amount of SLA resin. It's always kind of bespoke for our needs. The materials <coughs> developed specifically for us. Um, but you couldn't do it any other way. You, you just couldn't machine it. You, there's no other way of getting to that point. Mm. And now something as mechanically stable as it is. For the race car, we use predominantly SLS. Um, and powder bed fusion and metallics um, and again the range of materials is, is improving massively the FIA consider it to be a nice sexy space to be in so they're promoting it now we can use we have a, an allowable materials list and only because it's significantly shorter than the non-allowable non list uh, but there are materials being added to that but only if they're made additive. Mm -hmm. And only if the net shape is 60% of the final part. Otherwise, we would print billet if we thought we could make a, a gain on it. Mm -hmm. um, can, can I ask a question? Sure. I'm curious, I'm, I'm very curious in terms of like if we're talking about prototyping. Um, you know, to me, the big difference I think that's happened in the industry is the difference between being able to prototype and then being able to create functional prototypes. And I'm wondering if, like, what your thoughts are on that. and. How, how helpful that's been for you. Well, yeah, I mean, <coughs> I don't make much that sits on a designer's desk anymore. That's mm -hmm. all been banned. It's, it's too expensive. Um, the, the CAD systems we've got are good enough the designer should be able to see it on his screen without having to say, can you just make this for me so I can see that goes in and that now. It still happens, but not anywhere near as much as it used to. Um, we used to make a big mock-up car where everything we made, everything we designed, we made in plastic and a couple of extra race mechanics fitted to the car to make sure it would work in the race weekend environment. We don't do that anymore, it's all virtual. Um, so all of our capacity is now spent on putting it on a car or putting it in the wind We never make more than six of anything. Um, and it's not because it would be wrong, it's because our car changes at such a rate that by the time we've consumed six, it's no longer a current design. And whether that be for changing temperature or change of downforce or whatever the, the, the thing they're trying to work on for that particular race weekend, you know, we make things that only go to one race and never get used again. It's it's quite common in our business. So, so yeah, everything's a prototype, but it has to be functional because it has to work. And it's an and it's extreme place to put it. It's not it's not a pleasant environment for a, for a piece of RP or additive manufacturing. Um, you know, the temperatures are quite extreme, um, the vibrations are quite extreme, and the G-forces are immense. We're, we're nearer an aircraft than we are a car, um, which means we have interest in collaborations with the likes of Bowie, because it's similar in our construction methods and uses. But no, it's definitely not manual, it's not production. Hmm. A question I like to ask people um, is, particularly those who've been in the industry for a good few years, why you decide to work in this industry? When you could work anywhere, do anything. 
I mean, for me, it's a no-brainer. I'll never forget the first Formnext I went to when um, I joined a powder manufacturer, um, the metal powder manufacturer, and I went to the first Formnext, and I walked in the door, and within, you know, minutes, maybe, you know, I knew that this was an industry I'd always be in for the rest of my life, and I, I, I don't doubt that. For my, there's no, I can't. I think it's insane when you see people who leave this industry because. Why there's the, fu the the future and the potential is so massive, and we're just at the beginning of it. You know, what more do you want in life? You know, it is there's so you know everyone around us is innovative. Everyone around us is trying to do new things in a different way. You know, we're all have you know I think op more open minds than you're going to find in any other industry. And you know, so it's just it's fun to be around those kinds of people and have those conversations and know like that we're just we're such at the very very beginning of this really massive pie that you know by the time I retire it's going to be I can't even I can't even comprehend what it's going to be like and you know to know that I'm part of that from the beginning is is I mean I don't know I, I can't think of anything else I'd want more. <laughs> I'm going to probably have a usual story. So we bought our first SLA machine in 1998 <laughs> with no real idea of what we were going to do with it. Um, the ops director at the time said, it looks cool, we should have one. So we did. <laughs> um, they then plopped it down next to the machine shop because it was a machine, allegedly. Um, and they gave the programming to the CAM group, of which I was part of at the time, doing five-axis composite machining and said, you guys program it, because you program machines. And, and oh, by the way, we don't know what we want to do with it. Find some applications, find something good to do with it, make it useful. Um, so at that point, we were doing a, all of the wind tunnel model was significantly smaller than it is now, but it was all machined out of, out of epoxy board. But there was a massive queue for the two five-axis machines we had, because during a certain period of the year, they were also making all the pattern work to produce the race car. So aerodynamics were trying to jump in the queue with, with full-size car production and, and always being put backwards. So I kept sort of saying, well, you can have this one now. I've made this one, that's the leg, you know. And uh, the head of aero at the time told me that SLA, rapid prototyping, didn't have any place in the winter. Challenge accepted. <laughs> Away we go. Um, so we coerced the material manufacturers to give us something stronger and stiffer. And we coerced the machine manufacturers to give us bigger, faster, higher resolution machines. And now we sit in a world where I make 650 or 600 large parts a week, up to 700 millimeters long, to strap in a wind tunnel test them once and throw them away, which is generally what happens. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a strange story and, and you know, we've done other things with that, obviously we didn't start with aerodynamics, but you know, the usual function fit and, and the bit on the designer's desk, it was horrible then, you know, you, you put an SLA part on a guy's desk and if it wasn't broken within 10 minutes, by the next day it was starting to sag because it had pulled in so much moisture and all the mechanical properties had gone. So it was a really, really different world to wear at the It was hard work. Months. But enjoyable. So uh, I've been in med device my entire career and, and I am for half of it. And I think that, I mean, the production side of it is great and it certainly has come a long way. But it's, you know, people are 
I think the production side outpaced like what humans were capable of producing. Like it's like the technology is so great, but like now we are starting to figure out like on the software side what things we can produce. And just as somebody who's been so keenly interested in design and medical and like nature and the fusion of all of them together, I just was like instantly pulled in, both from a software standpoint and then realizing that like, I mean, it sounds again cheesy, but like the, the canvas is just, I mean, it's literally limitless. And when you just talk about human creativity and then combine that with all of the software that's coming out there, coming out now, and again, it goes back to that education thing, like being able to see like what the next generation is just going to come up with, and realizing that they have so many more tools and softwares and production methods than I had uh, my generation and the previous generations. It's just, it's so cool to be a part of. Mm -hmm. Like it's just game, it's game changing. And so I, I, I echo your sentiment. Like I don't know that, I feel like if I ever wasn't doing an additive anymore now in the future, I'd just be like depressing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing with myself. Um, my final question then, because I know we've, we've gone over, um, but what, what have you all got planned for the rest of the week and what are you all most looking forward to? I mean, there'll be more conversations. Yeah, I was going to say exactly early. the same way. Yeah. A bit more of the same, you know, um, just talking with people and having those conversations at different things. I can't, yeah. Karaoke. Uh, uh, I'm going to get forced into karaoke, so I'm looking forward to that. Mm -hmm. uh, but other than that, I've just got several meetings planned with some software companies. Again, just to talk about kind of pushing the limits on what, what they're doing and some of the newer stuff. And um, that's what I love talking about is who can I find a partner with? And by partner with, it means give me give me free software so I can <laughs> post something For cool on LinkedIn. <laughs> That was also an opportunity for you to plug your own uh, presentations. No, 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 I don't need to do that. No, 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 I won't, I won't do that. Okay. Does anyone know? will now be on the end of the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Does anyone know where we're going for the outside van? No, apparently only, what is it, only Tom knows. Oh, really? There's one person, not even, not really? even the whole AMA committee knows. Just the one, there's one guy that does the whole thing. Interesting. Yeah. Tickets are now on sale for the 2023 TCT Awards. On June the 7th, the 3D printing and additive manufacturing community will come together to celebrate the latest technology innovations and application developments at the 5th annual TCT Awards ceremony. The world's preeminent 3D printing and additive manufacturing awards program, TCT Awards is held alongside TCT 360 in Birmingham in the UK. To book your tickets, visit www.tctawards.com